In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. So I have a confession to make. I realized I scheduled this post and never hit publish last week, so I apologize that you are going to get two fancy episodes this week. I'm going to wait for the other one to come out tomorrow, but I apologize, Tiffany from the Stoke family for my negligence. I had no idea that this never published other than the fact I guess I didn't listen to it, but my apologies that I left you hanging last week. This week, we're going to celebrate and talk a little bit more about adventuring with teens, finding your stoke and adventuring with teens with Tiffany. But before I get there, I love to just like honor the fact that it's fall, right? It lasts for about 30 seconds in Wisconsin. So we really have to like grab it and just enjoy it. And we had one of the most delightful weekends. We finally took our RV up north, stayed on our friend's property, and we had Apple Fest. <laughs> Apple Fest is one of those hokey things. So, you know, if you don't have older teenagers, tweenagers, whatever we call them these days, you may not have had the luxury of experiencing that. The things that are so fun when we're like three and four and five years old, they're just not quite as cool when you're 12 and 13. And a couple of years ago, we started to see that the traditional things that we do every year, they're fun. I don't want to like not do them, but we have to spice them up a little bit. We have to get a little bit more creative. So Apple Fest was something we did a couple of years ago. We didn't actually go apple picking because we do have apple trees in our yard. So it, because it does become a thing, then we go pick some apples. But the impetus behind Apple's Fest was to come up with as many different ways that we could use apples for fun for food, and probably for just to be goofy. But there were so many ideas that came up and we decided it was so much fun. It was so different. It was so unique that we decided to keep doing it. And I wouldn't say we're as unique anymore because I'm tired and I have not come up with any new ideas recently. But each year we do some really creative menu planning. We have special drinks that we'll have. But I think the highlight this year was that we took a hayride. And I'm putting hayride in air quotes for a second. Because our version of that, we don't have a tractor or a big haymow. Or... We did have some bales of straw. And we put those on the back of a trailer or on a trailer, I should say not on the back of a trailer. But we put the trailer on the back of a four wheeler. And we drove the trails up north or actually the dirt roads. It was really funny. And I think part of us was just laughing at how simple it was. The kids were given caramel apple suckers to suck on while we were on the... So there's the apple in the Apple Fest for that activity. But actually, it turned out to be really fun. We ended up cleaning up the side of the roads a little bit, doing like a trash pickup, and we turned it into a race. So the kids were all excited every time we stopped to get off. Obviously, this was after the suckers. Get off, run, go pick up the trash, throw it in the back of the four-wheeler, and get back on the hay 
hayride as quickly as possible. So there was a really fun way for us to interact, have fun, be a little hokey with 12-year-olds who don't think we're cool. And they survived. I do have a fun win of the week, though, in the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group. Feel free. Every week we post our adventure wins of the week. And the win of the week is not necessarily an adventure win of the week for us, but I want to celebrate. Thanks to all of you, Ordinary Sherpa crossed 100 written reviews. This has been a goal, and I didn't really have a timeline in mind for this, but I was just like, I know how important it is to get 100 written reviews. And so it's been a benchmark. It's a big benchmark. So if your name is not on that list of the 100 written reviews supporting Ordinary Sherpa, it's not too late. There's still time. But I do want to celebrate this because I know Apple does not make it easy for you to go in, take two minutes of your time. It can turn into 15 minutes if you're not careful. So I do have a tutorial. If you are interested, OrdinarySherpa.com backslash review, it'll walk you through the entire process. I would be honored if you took two minutes of your time this week and left a written review for Ordinary Sherpa. We find so much value in them, meaning like Heidi. Heidi finds value in them. Heidi loves reading every single one. It makes me feel so good. And I've had a couple of like downer weeks this week. So reading the written reviews is always such a pleasure for me. I am also so excited to have our guest today. She firmly believes that what lights you up, aka your stoke, shouldn't stop when you have kids. Hmm, sound familiar? I think so. With her goal of helping families adventure more and stress less, she and her husband created the Stoke Fam. And some of the things you'll find on their website are practical advice, actionable tips, and stories to empower families to get out and explore while building stronger relationships with their kids and teens. You'll hear a theme today around teens. I have chuckled at her stories, not at her stories, I shouldn't say that, with her stories, because we've been there. I appreciated her mishaps, her humble approach to how adventures are just what they are, and she just keeps it real of what adventuring is like with kids. So Tiffany is with me today, and I am so excited to have this conversation. Tiffany, it is such an honor and a pleasure. I'm so excited to finally have this conversation. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. And reading your story, I know, like just chatting back and forth, I know you weren't maybe the most adventurous child or, you know, adventure didn't necessarily come naturally. And that sounds like that was maybe what your husband brought to the relationship. Was that true? And kind of tell me how you evolved into be this adventurous mom. Yeah, yeah. So growing up, I wouldn't say that we did nothing, but we would like do a small, easy hike, right? Like on like a weekend day, a couple times a year. It was pretty mellow, right? Like it was pretty easy. My earliest memory of camping is quite the story. I remember going and I was like so excited to go. My parents and I went and my sister was with us. And I think my mom was even pregnant with my brother. And we go camping and it was like the first time we're all cozied up in bed. I fall asleep. And then I wake up to my mom saying, get up, get up right now. I was like, what? And she's like, we're leaving. I wake up and I thought I had peed the bed. I was probably like, I don't know, like eight. I was soaking wet. We had had like some hole in the top of the tent because it was probably a hand-me-down from somebody else because we clearly didn't go often. And we were in probably 
an inch and a half, two inches of water in the bottom of the tent. Like we weren't just a little damp. Like it was a torrential downpour in the South and we were just soaked. And so my mom was like, we're done. We're out. And like, literally, I don't remember camping again in a tent with my family ever. My parents eventually bought an RV when I was like in high school. (laughs) But they were like, no, we don't do this anymore. So that was kind of like my experience growing up and like into high school and college. I had friends who would go occasionally. And like, I joke because I say that my only skills in skiing, I am not a ski. Everybody's like, don't you ski? I'm like, no, no. My only skill in skiing is like having a yard sale. That is literally my (laughs) only skill. I do not ski. There are too many things to worry about. I can't have two skis, two poles. That is not my thing. But yeah, so my husband and I, we met in college and nursing school actually. And he grew up in the Northwest and his family was very, they would go hiking, they would go camping. He did a bunch of things with like youth groups and stuff. And he was always backpacking and stuff like early on. And he started snowboarding probably when he was, I forget how old he was, but like early teens, maybe. Yeah. So that was just part of his life. And so when we met, he was like, let's try this stuff. And I was like, okay. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I really like being comfy at night. (laughs) I like to sleep and like with my pillow, I like to have all my things. So I was like, all right, I'll try it. So we started doing more hiking. We did a couple camping trips and it all went really well. And he started trying to teach me to snowboard. And I do not recommend having (laughs) your significant other be your snowboard instructor. (laughs) I've talked about that on our podcast before because it's just totally worth it to hire an instructor. Let me just say that. It's totally worth it. We almost broke up before we ever got married because like it just turned into such an ordeal one day. But now that I know how to snowboard, it has turned into like one of our favorite things to do as a family. Since our kids were little, they were on snowboards since they were like 18 months. We started them on little Burton Riglets and now we do it all as a family. So once we started doing all of it and I got the right gear really and Mm -hmm. realized that gear as much as like, yes, you can go with anything and you should go with anything. I fully believe that if you can go, you should get out there and try it. I feel like that sometimes (laughs) having the right gear can make your experience so much more enjoyable and investing in just a few key pieces can make life so much better. Because I have my cozy sleeping bag now that I love and I stay warm and I'm dry and I'm happy and I'm not cold and miserable and I can sleep in a tent or in our camper and I'm happy because in a tent, I know that I can have my cot and my comfy sleeping pad and I've got my little spot that is now, you know, just as comfortable, maybe not just as comfortable as my bed at home, but pretty dying comfortable, (laughs) right? And so all of those things can make your experience so much better. And so that's really what has kind of been the transition for me is realizing that there is quality gear out there and investing in a few key pieces that has really made it so that this person who never did it before and had like these nightmare stories from waking up in inches of water actually enjoys it. Yeah, I love that. And I would agree. You know, it's so funny. I was, as you were telling that tent camping story, I have a similar one where I was probably in middle school and I remember my dad, I feels like it was like an old army tent or something, right? And my dad yeah. like just touched the tent. He's like, if anyone touches it, then it's not going to be waterproof anymore. And oh, I remember yeah. waking up and it was just me and my two brothers, my two older brothers. My youngest got to stay in the camper with my parents. And I was like, who touched the tent? <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's been yeah. many a rain story in camping and yeah. yeah, that makes it definitely memorable. And I chuckled a little bit too with your story of like, your advice is to not recommend having your partner teach you how to mm-hmm. ski or snowboard. My husband snowboards and I ski and we tried to like teach each other. And then, yeah, I would agree. It was like nearly we broke up over the whole thing. Uh-huh. So there are times when, you know, you can learn from people you love and there are times when it's not recommended. <laughs> That's right. 
it is less expensive to uh, <laughs> to hire someone than the amount of counseling you're going to need after. If you, <laughs> in my opinion, that right. was not one of those things we did well together. And we've both fully admitted it was not a good scenario. And another scenario, my brother tried to teach his new wife like how to ski and she ended up falling and breaking your leg. And she still oh, no. is like, I'm so mad at you. And he's like, oh, no. I don't know what I did. Like you just <laughs> fell. <laughs> oh, no. See, yep. Way better to let someone else take that responsibility. <laughs> Especially as an adult, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, fun. Oh, man. So talk to me about, I know you use this slogan a lot, find your stoke. What does it mean to be like the stoke fam or find your stoke? What does that term mean to you guys? Yeah, for us, it's all about like finding that thing that sparks a fire inside of you, right? Like, or that brings you joy, right? So your stoke is something that you're like, I can bring back like surf culture, right? Like, dude, I'm so stoked or whatever. It's that whatever that feeling is that really just gives you that, oh, I'm so excited. I love this. So for us, it's finding whatever it is that is really exciting and fun for you. So that may be hiking, that may be camping, that may be going on small adventures in your backyard or your neighborhood because that's what you have time for or the budget for right now. It doesn't matter. But whatever it is, finding that stoke, that spark that makes your family and you as a whole happy and excited to adventure together in whatever way that may be for you. Yeah. And I know you've been adventuring for quite a while, right? Your kids are, yeah. remind me how old your kids are. They're getting so old. My oldest is about <laughs> to turn 13. He's 12. He'll be 13 in a very, very short amount of time. And I'm in denial. And then our youngest is 10. So okay. yeah, they've been adventuring with us forever. I went camping when I was pregnant with them. So <laughs> not very often because yeah. camping when you're pregnant is harder. Sleep is definitely yes. more challenging, but we did. And our oldest learned to potty train on a camping trip. Like that was the easiest potty training ever, actually. <laughs> but yeah, so we've pretty much had them with us alongside ever since they could crawl or be in a carrier, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about that because I'm curious, you know, it's one thing to adventure with toddlers, mm -hmm. but as they age, they're personalities? Is that the nice way mm. to say it? Yeah. <laughs> Attitudes? I'm not sure what the Opinions, word is. Yeah. Opinions, yeah. yes. About certain things that we do also change. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading, it was maybe an article or an email or something about how sometimes it seems like everything should be hunky-dory and perfect if you just plan this great trip. And rarely mm -hmm. things go according to plan. So, you know, just talk to me about some of the lessons learned maybe in your last couple of years of having older kids, maybe with opinions or maybe with these like personalities that are shining through. Yeah, that's so very true. Like our kids still in general are pretty agreeable and they will do things with us. But there's a difference that comes like when they start to get into this middle school and older age where they really have other interests and other desires and friendships outside of us, right? You know, when they're really little, their world is revolved around us. But as they get older, they start to have things outside of us. And that's important for their development and everything. And we want to foster that and encourage that. But it does make things a little more logistically challenging because we have to value their wants and needs alongside our family wants and needs and values. And so that has been one of the biggest learning challenges, I think, for us as a family in the last couple of years is trying to accommodate what everybody wants, right? And making sure that each of us as individuals gets the things that we need. So, you know, it's no longer that mom and dad can just say, we're doing this. I mean, we can, but you're going to get a lot of pushback, right? Like you get to this point where it's nobody's going to have fun if you do that. So, it's a lot of times it's a conversation of, hey, this is something we want to do this month. You know, these are the things that we're looking at. 
this weekend, I know you have this thing that you would like to do or this event that's coming up with your friends or this thing that you want to do. So we're thinking this weekend. And we actually have conversations about the timeframes on things. You know, my oldest, while he loves to adventure with us and loves to hike and like camp and stuff with us and loves paddleboarding, he also really loves to game, right? So I'll be like, I know that you like to hang out with your friends on Sunday evenings and do this game night. So if we go in the morning and do our hike and we're back by this time, is that cool? Like, and not that we're asking our kid permission, but we're valuing his opinion, right? And mm-hmm. letting him know that we're valuing that, I think goes a long way because there are times that we do have to be the parent and say, hey, we're doing this trip and we will be gone. We won't be back for this, right? And we may or may not have signal. We don't know. And so it makes him more agreeable when those situations come up, I think, because we involve them in the conversation as much as we can, right? We let them have opinions when, when they can is it always easy? No. Do I get frustrated? Absolutely. (laughs) Because sometimes I have to say no to the things I want to do to allow them to have some autonomy and do the things that they want to do. So that has definitely been an adjustment to say the least, but it has been in some ways really valuable too, because they're now invested a little bit as well. And like they have opinions too about what they like doing, what they don't like doing. And so all of those things When you can invest and listen to your kids and take their opinions into consideration when you're making these plans, I feel like they're much more willing and we get a better buy-in when it comes to the times that we do have to ask them to give up something because we're taking their needs into consideration at other times, right? So I feel like that's so far worked really well for us. And I hope that continues to work through the teen years, but it's been a really big adjustment to say the least. The other thing that we do too is now that our kids are at the point where they can have opinions and they know what it means to hike with a certain amount of elevation. Like if I say, hey, we're going to do this hike, it has a really great payoff. We can go hike to this waterfall and we can swim or we can hike and there's this really cool view. This is how far it's going to be. This is what the elevation gain is. Or we can just do this hike and it's really not much of a view, but it's an easy hike. They can like look at that and they can logically say, hey, I have an opinion. I can share what I think about this. And yes, I know that that elevation is going to be harder, but I also know it's going to be more fun, right? Like I know that the payoff is going to be there versus this option here may not have a good viewpoint or there's not going to be anything really besides the hike itself. Mm -hmm. While those are still amazing and great, we almost always have like a waterfall or viewpoint that wins out. Like everybody kind of tends to like that better. So those are kind of fun too, because then we can give them a chance to have an opinion when we're going to a specific location and we're like, hey, there's these three hikes, which sounds better and let them have a choice in that. And it really seems to help too to get some buy-in versus just here's the one we're going to do every single time. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think that's been really powerful tool. So mine are 12, 10, and seven. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm getting better about asking about those things. I mean, I've done this for a long time. I've asked the kids to, you know, create their own adventure list of what do they want to do this summer. And And it's been nice for me this summer because I kind of like ran out of ideas, right? I was kind of like, okay, (laughs) I planned two and a half months, someone else bring us home. And it was my daughter's list that kind of triggered the next couple of weeks, you know, little things that we could do in our community that I was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Or, oh yeah, I haven't really thought about that. So I think Mm -hmm. there's some way we can leverage them too in the choice. It's also probably my kids might say that I don't ask their opinions very often, but I do for this, right? Yeah. (laughs) So. It's still very fun because I think they would love to have an opinion about the amount of schoolwork they do or when they go to bed or, <laughs> and, and when we yeah. travel, they do have that opinion, but you know, start a school, all those things. It's a little less. Yeah, for sure. 
No, I think we definitely let them have more opinions on the adventures too, because there are some things I'm definitely very particular about, like in our household, like things have to go a certain way. So, and I don't do well if they don't. So like, that's a me problem, not a them problem, but that's just the truth. Those are things I can let them have an opinion on. And it really is not going to change anything overall, really. Like Mm -hmm. when it comes to choosing the activities, especially, I can let them do that. And you know, the other thing too, that I just was thinking about is now that they're older too, there are some times that I let them opt out. Like- I love them to come with us whenever they can. And at 12 and 10, I don't like to leave them where we're out of signal or whatever, right? But if we're camping at a campground and we're going to do a short hike up the trail and they're not feeling it, they can hang out in our camper. They can lock Mm -hmm. the door and they can hang out in our camper for a couple hours. It's not a big deal. If we are snowboarding and they have done, you know, five hours and we still want a few more runs because there's great pow they can go hang out in the lodge and grab a snack. They're old enough to do that and hang out for an hour or so. It's not a big deal. I mean, of course, we'd gear it depending on the situation and where we are and, you know, all of those things. Absolutely, right. They were to that point now where that's an okay thing to do. And sometimes that's the best scenario for everybody because then they don't get to the point where they're so burnt out and exhausted that there's just a complete meltdown and we still get what we need too. And so, those are other things that have worked really well for us too, is just sometimes letting them opt out, even if it's just for a single hike or a couple of runs on the mountain. Yeah, I would agree. Are your kids' interests pretty similar? Do they seem like they complement each other well or do they have their own? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yes I think, and, you know, right? I mean, there there is overlap, right? My oldest really, like I said, loves gaming. They also have other interests that they really like to do. They have certain games. They like Pokemon. They love both actually really love to read. So that actually comes in really handy a lot of the times because I can have them bring a book when we go places. So if I can have one that they're really into, it's always really good. But then there's also other things. You know, my oldest is definitely more of the kid who likes to have his quiet time a little bit. And my youngest is very much a people person and wants to be with everyone and have conversations 24-7. And so that can sometimes be a challenge as it is with every family, right? Like you're always mm-hmm. going to have one who likes their space and some who don't as much. So that kind of comes into conflict sometimes. But in general, yeah, they do like a lot of the same things. And when we go places like camping, they'll both entertain each other for hours. You know, they'll... Mm-hmm play. They'll talk. They'll build forts. They will swing each other on hammocks to the point that I think someone's going to probably break an arm, but you know, they're having a blast. Right. So yeah, in general they do, but there's always those moments, right? Where they are like, I'm done. I want something different, but for the most part, they do pretty well. Yeah. That's helpful. I think sometimes it's easier once you're in it, right? To figure Mm -hmm. out how to get there as opposed to starting. Does that make sense? I don't know if that... Because I think if I think about things too much, I can become overwhelmed or I feel like I have to plan it all out. And I may not feel confident in like, okay, it's just easier Mm -hmm. to stay home than to do this thing. Oh, yeah. Is that kind of the perspective that you can offer for a lot of parents in this space too? I feel that. Like I feel it in your content. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about like, imagine yourself younger and how you've designed now the content to really help other parents through this process of whatever that adventure might look like? Yeah, that's actually exactly what we try to do because I feel like our goal has always been like to be the welcome mat, if you will, to those who are newer to outdoor adventure because I do know what it's like to be in that overwhelm stage of like, oh my goodness, I have to remember all of the things. And what if I forget something at the grocery store? How far are we going to be at this campground? I don't really know. And like now we go way out and we'll be dispersed in hours away and like there's nothing available. But that's because we've built up to that and we feel comfortable with that. But you don't have to start there. And I think that's something Mm -hmm. important before I get into like the things that we do to get you there. 
it's important to remember, it doesn't always have to be that way. You can go to a campground that's 20 minutes or 15 minutes from a grocery store or a restaurant, and that's okay. And if all else fails, you can run out and grab what you forgot. It's not a big deal. That's still valid camping and adventure. It still counts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what we've tried to do. So we have on our website, we have a lot of resources to help bridge that gap so that the overwhelm is reduced, right? So our goal is to make it easy. We have a bunch of things like camping checklists to make sure that you know what you need and can start there. So you don't have to think of it from scratch because it can be overwhelming to think about all of the things. I have planning guides. And one thing I just finished and I'm so excited about is our outdoor adventure resource guide. It is brand new and it is full of like adventure tips, a 10 essentials checklist. So you know what to look for tips on how to layer so that when you are in the cold, because that was always one of my things too, is I get cold. I don't stay warm, Mm -hmm. especially at night camping, those kind of things. I get cold. And so for me, finding a good layering system has been key to keeping me comfortable. And now that I have it all dialed in, I am happy (laughs) and I'm warm (laughs) usually. So those things are really huge. And so what I've really tried to do is pull all of that into one resource guide to make it easy for people to know exactly what they need and not spend hours doing research or feeling overwhelmed to just be able to grab and go, right? Like I know here's my checklist, here's what I need. And when you're looking to add in those key items to make your adventures better, to know what to look for too. So that is another thing that we really try to go into is teaching you, if you don't know about outdoor gear, don't know what to look for, we have for winter gear in particular, we have a lot of resources for how to shop for winter outerwear that is going to do what you need. So for instance, Mm -hmm. we live here in the Northwest. Our snow is very different from someone who say lives in Utah, right? Right. So in Utah, you have a very dry snow. So you're a little bit more flexible on what you wear. The weather can be colder, but it's not wet. Our snow here tends to be wet. Waterproofing is key. And so we talk in the articles about what to look for in that waterproofing rating what's important and why, and kind of share all that information so that when you go into, say, your local outdoor gear shop or REI, you're not overwhelmed by all the choices and just, I don't know, and just randomly pick one off the shelf and then aren't happy with it or don't stay warm. The goal is to try to help you know exactly what you need so when you go out there, you can actually enjoy it and to have the checklist so that you don't forget stuff because we have been there too. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We have been there. Yeah. Well, and I think That is so helpful because I've talked a number of times about like optimizing different experiences. And I would consider myself a pretty adventurous mom. Like I've been around the block on a number of different adventures and I feel pretty skilled and I still am outsourcing this to people sometimes, right? I still look Mm -hmm. for guides. I still look for camping ideas. I still look for meals. You know, there's so many things that we sometimes get caught up in our own heads too. And so I've always found that even if I do think I'm a pretty adventurous person, I'm good in that area. I love to still, I call it outsourcing because I don't know what else to call it, but like pick someone's brain, go look at your content. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you know, and I think we all do that. I think even those of us who've been doing it for years, because especially when there's something new and that's the thing, there's new tech all the time that's coming out too. And it's impossible to keep up with. Even those of us who are doing it all the time, it's still always like, oh, what's that? I've not heard of that. That's something new. And then so then you go down the research rabbit hole, right? But that's what our goal is to try to help streamline that so that everybody doesn't have to spend those hours down the research rabbit hole where we can do that for you a little bit and kind of like say, here's what you need to hone in on. Because it can be overwhelming and choosing the right thing is challenging. And like one of the biggest things actually, you know, every time we do something new, so like in the last couple of years, 
we picked up paddle boarding. So we had never done that before. That was something new for us. And so I was outsourcing that. I was looking at other sites, you know, digging into the information to know what I needed to look for in a quality board that was going to last us. I think we all do that outsourcing. Yeah. 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 And I think people always think it's got to be like, oh, I'm outsourcing for this. Anyway, I just think that mindset that I've adopted in the last couple of years of like, okay, this is not what I'm good at right now. I'm going to just like Mm -hmm. outsource this to like find the best people and surround myself in a community of people that are really good at it. And I'm going to learn from them. And, you know, hopefully they Mm -hmm. can support me and I'll support them in return. I think that's been an interesting part of this community too is, you know, everyone has different expertise and skill and supporting each other has really been part of I don't know. It's kind of like part of the Sherpa philosophy now going forward. It's like, this is what we do in adventure community, right? Which is also how I felt though in adventures. You know, I think about some of those days when I, oh gosh, I have a funny story of when we were teaching my, maybe it was my youngest to ski. So, you know, you've got like three under five and (laughs) kids are going in different directions. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? (laughs) You know, and everyone's laughing. But at the same time, I can't tell you how many people in chairlift lines are like, I'm so proud of you for doing this. And I was like, well, I might call myself something else right now, but I'm really glad that you (laughs) see that in me. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. You know, supporting people. Also, it doesn't take a lot of work, but just, you know, recognizing that some people are going to be better than this at you. And that's good, right? Mm -hmm. Ask for help and support them and they'll support you. That's one of my favorite things about the outdoor community is I think in general, you have exceptions, but I think in general, everybody's really, really willing to help, right? Really willing Mm -hmm. to share advice. When we were first starting with the kids, especially, that was new for us, like kid gear, right? So when we would take the kids to the mountain the first time, we would go in and we would talk to them in the shop. Because at first we bought like riglets for our kids, but then we were moving into like actual buying their real board once they could actually kind of ride. It was like, okay, so what do we need to look for for kids? Because like we know what to look for for adults. And for the most part, it's very similar, but there's not all the same brands for adults. So it was like helping us like hone in. So we would just go chat with them in the shop and be like, okay, so what about growth? Like how far ahead can we like buy this board? Are they going to be able to keep up with it? Like, so little things like that, we could go in and talk with them and everybody was willing to chat that conversation out with us. Yeah. Utilizing those resources is huge and everybody's just generally willing to share. It is a really cool community. I have to drop this one little thing in though. For those of you who do have toddlers or little kids, when you're doing things like going to the mountain in the winter, one of the things that was really helpful for us was mindset. Because when we would go to the mountain with the idea that we were going to ride all day, we would all leave a little disappointed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When we went to the mountain with the idea that we were going to go have a family fun day in the snow, we all left happy. Did we ride during the day? Of course we did. But like, if you go thinking, I'm just going to ride and I'm going to knock out like 20 runs and you've got a two-year-old, somebody's not going to do that. At least one adult's (laughs) not going to, right? So it's about compromise. And I think going to it with the mindset of like, hey, if we go out and we have fun and they practice on the mountain and they get on the board or the skis or whatever it is for a little bit, and Mm -hmm. then they play in the snow and have fun, that's a win. That checks yeah. it off because you're also setting that precedent of it's fun to play in this place, right? And so as your kids get older, they associate good memories with that place. Yeah. And that's been one of the things that's helped us over time is that we've attempted, I mean, that we have our good days and our bad, but we've attempted to make it a positive place. There can be sometimes a lot of pressure to hit certain goals, you know, when you do outdoor adventures, right? And while I still really struggle with that because I'm a goal-oriented person and I have to rein myself in a lot, when I can take that step back and make it more about just the fun, and that it counts now as teens and tweens too, is that 
you know, if I can make it more about the fun and not the mileage or the pace or the whatever it is, the amount of runs that we're doing, it's always going to be better than Mm -hmm. if, if I'm focused on just the outcome. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I think going back to the beginning of this conversation of engaging kids in the decision-making process, right? There's also this point at which you just need to listen to say like, Mm -hmm. what am I pushing for? So I'll give you two examples. One, I may have been an over-eager mom with a kid skiing. And these two examples are both skiing. And I had an 18-month-old that fell asleep while skiing. So like (laughs) she was between my legs. I guess we should have probably stopped sooner. (laughs) But there is something soothing about like slowly going down the hill and maybe pushing it too hard. Now it's a funny memory. But I also think... Now that my kids are older, they have much more stamina than I do. Yeah. (laughs) So my husband and I are both, you know, we've chaperoned or we've led like ski clubs, taking them up to the mountain and helped, you know, get kids ready to go and all that kind of stuff. And inevitably, the kids that most often get hurt the worst are often like in the last hour, right before it's like, oh, I'll do one more run because they don't quite understand that they're tired, like their judgment might be a little off. Mm -hmm. And so I've always told my kids, There's no pressure to do one more run, right? If you're kind of tired and you're done, like, let's just call it and just enjoy what we did today as opposed to like Mm -hmm. pushing through for one more run. So I've noticed that I am often now the one that's like, you guys, you go ahead. I need a break because I just, yeah, with the elevation and, you know, skiing's, it takes a little bit, right, to (laughs) to get into it. And I'm saying skiing, but I guess boarding too, right? Both of them, yeah. Yeah. Any winter sport, right? Like, and I think there also... You may find me midday at the lodge. I love to go find myself a warm beverage, (laughs) right? Yeah, and have a moment. And that's sometimes great. Sometimes I can send John with the kids for a little bit and I just go have a mom moment or hang out with a friend for a little bit and have a glass of wine or whatever, you know? Yeah. So another thing that we do too is we like say, don't call last run, right? Like towards the end of the day, we'll be like, how's everybody feeling, right? How's everybody feeling? Are we exhausted or whatever. And if the kids are like, I'm getting pretty tired, it'll be like, okay, do you want to keep going or are you done? And we try not to be like that because it's always that one more. Like you said, it's always that I'm just going to do one more. It's always that one more that ends up being the one that somebody gets hurt on. Like it's like Murphy's law, right? So the goal is for us to never like call official last run. Like we try to say like, how's everybody feeling? And then it's still kind of like always kills us because we're like, you want it? one more, one more. But it's that if you can avoid actually calling that last one and just be like, go until you feel exhausted at the, or when you're done, you know, you can tell when your legs can hardly hold you up anymore, then it's probably time to go ahead and head to the car. And so that's kind of our goal is try to encourage them to not to push past that. And at the end of the run, if they're like, I'm done, sometimes we just say, okay, all right, that's cool. If we're not done, then we may go grab that extra, you know, couple more. Yeah. But if they're done, let them call it at the end of the run versus being like, no, you have to do one more because that's the last thing we want is anybody to go up and get hurt because yeah. we push them for one more run. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more worried about myself at these days. And that's unselfish, oh, but gosh, I also no. am like, gosh, dang, I'm not what I was. <laughs> right. That's part of the process. We do not bounce back as easy. No. <laughs> we do the not. The fear bounce of getting back. hurt at this age, like I know how hard the recovery is going to be. So I know. it's just, I'm sometimes like, oh man. Yeah. I have had some knee issues the last couple of years. And so I have definitely been the limiting factor. It has been me. Sometimes it's been like, my knee's done. Like the rest of me may not be, but my knee's done and I can't take it anymore right. and I have to call it. And it's hard, but it's always better to listen to your body and what you can handle for you and your kids too. Let them tell you how their body is feeling. And that's one of the other things I think that's really key as they get older. You know, when they're little, you have to make those decisions for them. When they're really tiny, you have to say like, 
hey, you're having an absolute meltdown in the middle of the mountain. I think we're done. You know, when they're 10 and 12 or when they're 14 and 16 or even like eight, they are getting to the point where they can tell you, hey, I'm really tired. My legs hurt. I'm done or I'm hungry, I need to eat. They know those body signals enough to communicate with you. And we try to let them be in charge of that and honor those things when they bring them up so that we're teaching them to listen to their body signals. And hopefully as they get older, those will continue to be listened to so that they can be responsible, fingers crossed, as they move into years where we won't be there. Right. One can hope, right? Yes, I always yes. say, I'm like, I always enjoy watching my kids now when they do do their own things to be mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm just curious. Like, I hope they don't see me watching them because I want them to yeah. like totally be in their natural element. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh, I hope, right? I hope yeah. what we've learned is a good foundation for the future. As you get older, don't you just kind of wish you could be a fly on the wall, yes. like just in certain situations, just to be like, is it working? Right. <laughs> I think it's working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've been fortunate that we have quite a few friends, mm-hmm. both like <laughs> in the school setting that'll hang out and do adventurous things too. And so we kind of act as like pawns a little bit or yep. like spies to be like, oh, what happened at so-and-so, you know, or what did you hear at your house or what, you know, <laughs> it is yep. kind of funny how that network really supports you, hopefully. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to just kind of take a moment to share a little bit more about your website and a couple of things people might find, and then we'll dive into kind of next steps and how people can find you. But one of the things I love about how you've structured your content is really giving people not just a ton of resources and things of that nature, but also guiding them through the steps. And so my favorite thing, I'll just be like, totally like crushing on you for a second is (laughs) I really appreciate the fact that when I come to your website, There's a start here guide. And it's just like, oh, if I like this, I can get it. Can you just Mm -hmm. talk through kind of how you structured it so that people can find what they're looking for when they come to you? Yeah. So that was something that was really important to us. We recently redesigned our website was to make it easier for you to find the information that you need. And so we had a page similar, but it's really been revamped to really highlight the way people are using our site and to make it easier. So now we have it structured so that when you come to our Start Here page, we ask you, what do you want to do? What are you looking for? Are you looking for camping? Are you looking for hiking? Is it winter sports? What is it that you're looking for? And then you can click on that particular topic and it'll take you directly there. So then you can kind of delve into that content. And then you can learn a little bit about us, of course. And then we talk about how we came about. And we also have a link where you can sign up for that adventure resource guide that I was mentioning earlier. So when you sign up for our website, we automatically send it to you and a whole bunch of other stuff in our welcome sequence and a few surprises. I'll just leave that there for you, but a few surprises that are just special for our email subscribers, just to make things easier, to help you get out of the house faster. You know, we keep all of our latest information on the blog on that same page too. So like as you're going through content, you know, you can say, I want to learn about this particular topic. But if you just want to know what's new, like if you've been on there several times, you can just go and see, hey, what's new, what's fresh? And you can just go automatically and see what's there. So you don't have to go digging to find the information. So that was kind of our biggest goal was just to make it easy for you to find exactly what you're looking for. And if you're a frequent reader to just be able to find what's fresh, easy and fast, because we all know that our time is a premium and we are always very thankful for everyone who is reading and consuming our content because that's how we are able to do what we do. And we just wanted to make it easy for people to utilize the resources that we've created and to get out it really to spend the time adventuring with their family instead of digging through and wasting time online. Because 
as much as we use online resources constantly and we are very thankful for those resources, our ultimate goal is not to have you on our site all day. We want you to get out there and enjoy it. (laughs) And so our goal is to help you find what you need faster and to be able to adventure and spend time with your family. Awesome. Or on your own if you ever just need, you know, a mom trip because we all need that too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can people find you? And then I do have one like wrap up question towards the end. Yeah, we're pretty much at the Stoke fam everywhere. We spend most of our time though on Instagram, to be honest. We are on all the other socials, but we spend most of our time on Instagram. And our website is just thestokefam.com. Awesome. And Tiff, is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you want to share with my audience or any advice for people to linger with as we exit the show today? Oh, that's always such a good question. I think that the biggest thing is just to remember that what your adventure is, whatever it is, don't compare it to somebody else's. My early adventure days with our husband were less than stellar, right? It was me figuring things out, probably a lot of whining on my part because I was like, I'm still cold. I don't like this. (laughs) Right. You know, figuring out what really works. And so don't compare your adventure where you are with somebody else who has been doing it for years. You know, there's that quote, what is it? Don't compare your beginning with someone else's middle or end. Mm -hmm. It is okay to start small. It is okay to start with something simple. It is okay to do a single night camping trip. It's even okay to rent a campsite for a night and not even stay overnight and just go practice and set up your gear and then go home, go make dinner if you want to and just practice it. It's okay. That's how we all learn. That's how we all start is by doing small steps that get us to the eventual goal of doing the bigger things that we want. So I think just remembering that your adventure, as big or as small as it is, is valuable to you and do it in whatever way makes you feel that stoke. That's awesome. That is fabulous advice. I think that's all the more reason, right, to just get out and do it Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, what your starting point is might be someone else's summit and vice versa. It's all over the board and there's no like wrong way really to adventure. We just want you to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very fun. Very fun. Well, I really appreciate you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Tiffany, it's been so fun to like have this conversation just to find another adventurous mom. I think in the space has been so reassuring too. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Was that not fantastic? Seriously, I really appreciate Tiffany. I think she's an amazing human being. I love to see the adventures they take. And I have eight key takeaways from this episode. Adventurous Mom is a title that you can grow into and evolve with your family. While Tiffany had adventure experiences as a kid, much of her adventure spirit has been nurtured since having kids. Number two, investing in ski lessons from someone other than your significant other is usually cheaper than therapy in the long run. Your relationship might thank you for this insight. Number three, while you can and should adventure in whatever you have, investing in a few key pieces of gear has been a game changer for Tiffany. Learning how to layer and find some key items to keep her warm and dry while adventuring made the experience so much more desirable. Number four, to find your stoke is to find that thing that lights you up. What is the spark or the thing that brings you joy? Number five, As kids age, their attitudes, opinions, and personalities shine through. Recognizing each individual has wants and needs and making sure to consider everyone's desires in the process is critical for teens and tweens' overall engagement. Number six, 
Allow your kids to have an opinion, both in the planning and the timeline for family adventures. We want to empower our kids to speak up and share their limitations and have a voice in the decision making. If we do this well, they become invested in the overall experience. Opting out might be the choice that they consider. Number seven, Tiffany defines her website as a welcome mat to family adventure. Most of the adventures we see others doing didn't start at this epic summit. You work up to those. Be careful not to compare your start to someone else's summit. Number eight, the Outdoor Resource Guide and Start Here sections of the Stoke Family blog are great starting points to consider things that trip us up in adventure. The goal is to make it easy so that you can spend less time researching and more time adventuring. Make sure to give Tiffany and the Stoke fam a checkout, a follow, whatever medium suits you. Until next week, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.